You are listening to episode number 34 of Wife, Teacher, Mommy, the podcast, Being the Okayest Teacher Mom with Heather from The Okayest Moms. Are you spinning your wheels trying to be the perfect teacher and the perfect mom and realizing you just can't do that? Keep listening to hear why that is okay. here listening to Wife, Teacher, Mommy, the podcast today. I'm your host, Kelsey Sorensen, a former elementary teacher turned homeschool mom. Whether you are a teacher or a homeschool parent, my goal at Wife, Teacher, Mommy is to provide you with both teaching ideas and mindset tools to help you live your absolute best teacher life. Be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Now let's go. Hey, teacher friend. I am so excited to be here today with Heather McTaggart from the OKS Moms. I love their podcast. I love how their whole message of you don't have to be a perfect mom. You don't have to be a Pinterest or Instagram perfect parent. And I love being on their podcast. They emailed me and they had just found me on Instagram and I got an email and was like, hey, I would love to have you on our show talking about how parents can build a great relationship with teachers. They tried to look for a teacher podcaster and they just found me. And I was so glad that they did because as soon as I saw their email and saw that their podcast name was the okayest moms, I'm like, oh yeah, these are my people. We just, we can't be perfect all the time. And even as I hear from coaches a lot, it's like B minus work. You know, we just, we can't do A plus all the time because we would burn ourselves out. So I just love the message behind even just the name of their podcast, which is why I named the episode kind of geared around their name as well. So I loved meeting them, being on their podcast, and I wanted to invite them to come over to our show today to kind of talk about being a teacher and a mom because Heather is a former teacher as well. And Brittany is very involved with teachers as well. She helped with the event Show Up for Teachers that we did here in Utah. And it was so much fun to be able to meet her in person. And that event was just so much fun, too. So both of them really understand teachers. And we will miss Brittany today. She's not able to be here, but we're going to have a lot of fun talking with Heather. So Heather is the co-host of the OKS Moms, the podcast. Every week, she and co-host Brittany discuss topics relevant to modern motherhood. They strive to normalize imperfect motherhood and help moms recognize the importance of being more than just mom. Okay, so without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, Heather. I'm so happy that you are here today. Thank you so much for having me. We had so much fun when you were on our show, and it's I'm so happy I could return the favor. Yes, I, I love to be on your show. You have just an incredible podcast. I love what you and Brittany do over there. Can you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a bit them a bit about you and the OKS Moms? Sure. So my name is Heather. I am a wife and mother of two, and I am the co-host of the OKS Moms podcast. 
my friend Brittany and I started the podcast. We originally started as a blog and it's morphed now into a podcast. And we have been podcasting for, gosh, can you almost three years now? It's crazy to think that we've been around for that long. That's incredible. I feel like people who stick to it that long, that's like, you know, you're like an official, official podcaster. We're, co- you know? we're committed now. When especially if you think about what the last three years have been to yes. stick through anything through that, I feel like, you know, I ha- I don't think about it often. But now that I say that, it's like, wow, okay, we're doing something here. That's really cool. And so did you two know each other before you started the OKS Moms? Like, how did that come about? Yeah. So Brittany, so her youngest and my oldest are about four, three or four months apart. And we actually met through a mom's running group. It's called Moms Run This Town. They have chapters like all over the country. And so we would go to these things. Our local chapter had an event called Run and Play. So we would throw the kids in the strollers, go for a run, and then meet at the playground afterwards. And we kind of just got to talking. We found out we ended up going to the same college before our kids were close in age and we kind of just clicked. And then long ago, she had a product-based business called Brittany Garner Design. And she brought me on to kind of help with some behind the scenes things. And we kind of just decided, we had joked like, cause at that time it was kind of like peak influencer culture. Like ju- it had just mm-hmm. started and it was, you know, like okay. you, it was yeah. cool to work with the small shop and like all those things. So I would recruit bloggers at the time. Influencer wasn't even a name. It was blogger. And we would kind of joke like, we can do this. And we, you know, we would look at their Instagram and this was in gosh, like 2015. And we would look and like, our kids don't look like that. Who, whose kid is sitting there perfectly in a crisp white shirt posing for this picture (laughs) in their crisp white kitchen. And we're like, this is not it. This is not motherhood. Nothing. I haven't showered in a week. My kid hasn't slept in a year. Like this is not anything that is happening over here. And so that's kind of where OKS Moms was born. And one day I came over and she was like, so I bought the URL. And I was like, for what? (laughs) She was like, for OKS Moms. I was like, that wasn't it. She's like, I made a logo. And I was like, that wasn't even like serious like that we had just like kind of like brainstormed a couple names and Uh but had it not been for her to do that we probably never would have done it because I would have found a million reasons not to so that's how we got started I love that you just like jumped in and you did it and honestly so as you mentioned I was on your podcast a a couple months ago you had reached out to me you found me on Instagram and as soon as they saw your podcast name the okayest moms I'm like okay they are my people like (laughs) you know it's just like we don't have to be perfect all the time you know like none of us are so we don't have to pretend that we are either absolutely when I feel like when we started I think people kind of bristled at the name because I feel like if we can all think back to 2015, 2016, that time and how motherhood was portrayed on Instagram, it was very much, this is what it looks like. It's very beige. It's very neutral. It's very like everything is perfect. And I think the thought that it could not be that was very hard for a lot of moms. And I think over the last three years, I think we've all been worn down that, okay, there is absolutely no way to keep at this pace under these conditions and (laughs) under these constant changing of restrictions and, you know, like all these curveballs being thrown at us. And I think it's really landing with people now more than ever. 
I think it's just so relatable and it makes people feel like, oh, it's okay that I'm not like those pictures on Instagram, you know, because even the people who have those pictures on Instagram aren't really like that. Well, and that's a a great point. If that's your thing and like you love taking pictures and like you just are shoving everything over to the side of the counter to get your shot, like I get it. We, you know, for a certain point, we have to walk the walk and play the game and all those things. And so, but we also love to show like, hey, this is behind the scenes. This is like the unfolded laundry that I moved out of the shot. This is like my kid on the, on the driveway screaming because I made him go on a bike ride. Like these are, these are the real life moments. And like, we can take pride and joy in those like perfect little seconds if they make you happy. But if they don't make you happy, you don't need to do that. Exactly. And I, and that's such a good point because there's nothing wrong with those pictures either because like it's kind of like another art form. Like that might be what somebody loves to do. It's really what we think about it. It's like if we take that picture and we make it mean something about ourselves. So I think your podcast just reminds people not to do that. Well, that's definitely our goal. So thank you. Okay. So today I wanted to talk with you a bit about being a teacher and a mom because like you said before, or, or at least I'll have mentioned in the intro, you are a former teacher. Now you're a mom. And, you know, there are women balancing both of these roles. There are big identities to our listeners. And we have listeners who are mainly teachers, many of whom are also moms. And we have homeschool moms who listen as well. So we're talking to moms who have a lot on their plates. And teaching is a huge job. And being a mom is a huge job. And you know this. So what advice do you have to help these moms let go of some of these perfectionistic tendencies and be okay with being an okayist teacher mom? Oh my gosh. I, this is, I really feel out of my depth with this question because part of the reason I quit teaching is because I just, I couldn't wrap my head around being both mom and teacher. And part of that too was in between my starting my teaching career and having children, we relocated. And so it was kind of a natural break to stop teaching as well. But it's just a lot, like you said, people have a lot on both of their plates. And I think one thing I've learned is that you have to break out of this role that you think you're supposed to be. When I was a teacher, I thought I had to be everything. I had to do everything. I had to make everything I saw on Pinterest. I had to buy everything I loved on Teachers Pay Teachers. I had to cut it out, laminate it, have everything running smoothly all at the same time. And I burned myself out. And I and I repeated that same cycle when I became a mom. I had a very, my first baby was very difficult. She never really slept. She And I just thought, you know what? I am going to teach her this. I'm going to type A this and we're going to figure this out. I'm going to get her on a schedule. She's going to eat all the things. I'm going to breastfeed no matter what. (laughs) I'm going to, you know, like all those things. Cause I just thought that if I could control it, then it could make it work and I could make it perfect. And I was humbled very quickly. And well, I shouldn't say very quickly because I fought it for a very long time and would not admit that I could not handle it. And I think the sooner I realized that kids come as they come. You and I strongly believe you have about 10% influence on them. And there you can't make a kid sleep no matter how hard you try. I've tried everything. <laughs> and I think the tr- same is true in a classroom. You really have to take your students as they come. And I think as much as we'd like to think that we can take them as they are at the beginning of the year and completely transform them by the end of the year, I think that's an unattainable goal. And I think society puts that on teachers. We ask so much of them 
And I think we're seeing the consequences of that play out right now with teachers leaving the profession and things like that. So I think you really have to put aside the expectations of yourself and embrace what you can do and kind of just forget the rest, both as a teacher and a mom. And we all do this thing, like you mentioned, like resisting it for a long time, like, no, I can like do it all. But I think it's the sooner we can just admit that we can't do it all. And like, just accept it and be like, okay, this is how it's going to be. The I feel like just the happier we'll be in both roles, honestly. And don't get me wrong. I still have my moments and my like phases where I still want to resist it. And, you know, as your kids enter a new phase or new like behavior crops up or whatever it is, that is who I am. I think it's the teacher in me. I can't get it out of me. It's like the first instinct is like, no, I know what to do. I know the child development. I know the theories behind it. Like, here's what we're going to do. Like, I always have a plan. And nobody cares about that plan except me. (laughs) (laughs) And because there's like this fear that if I don't get this right right now, it's going to cause some kind of damage or a bigger problem down the road. Or like, I have to get this right the first time. And I think as moms and teachers, we don't give ourselves enough grace and credit that we don't have that much power. <laughs> we, though, I mean, aside from like very like, you know, certain situations, if you say the wrong thing, it's probably going to be fine. You're going to have another chance to correct it and it's going to be okay. If you strike out on the first one, you're going to get another at bat because kids are going to keep on doing what they're going to do. <laughs> so I think once you remove that pressure, everything else becomes easier. I totally agree. Once you remove that pressure, but also, like you said, we're all going to slide back into putting that pressure on ourselves. We we're human. We're going to do that. And I think it's just like trying to notice it quicker, getting better at catching yourself doing it and redirecting is really all we can do. But that's how we can improve that is like, oh, I'm doing that again. That's interesting. Um, Let's redirect that, you know? Yeah. We have to redirect ourselves just as much as we redirect the kids. (laughs) Absolutely. Like, you know, our brains are kind of toddlers at times too. So (laughs) that's true. Our bodies just get bigger, but we are always toddlers. (laughs) (laughs) So as a former teacher, what are some like specific examples of things you think teachers can do to be an okayist teacher? Like some things they might be doing that would be okay for them to simplify. So I've been thinking about this kind of, so we're about four weeks into the school year as of we're recording right now. And I'm noticing already differences between last school year where over in our district, we were still partially under COVID restrictions at the beginning of the year. And then things kind of eased up throughout the year. And this year kind of seems to be no holds barred. So I'm noticing differences in how, you know, just in the communication that's coming home from the teachers and different expectations in the classroom and things like that. And I'm kind of like, taking notes about some things. So I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that's come to mind is homework. So my kids technically go to a no homework school, but the teachers and the teachers last year just said, you wouldn't just read for 20 minutes. That was all we had. Last year I had a first grader and kindergartner. So that felt fine for me for a no homework school. Of course we're going to read. This year they're sending home the corresponding homework math page with whatever lesson they did that day. And it's, there's no expectation of it, but it, there it is like, Hey, like if you get to it, this would be great. And we're also getting spelling words home. So we're practicing spelling lists again and sight words and things like that. And now my kids are in more activities and we're trying to learn that new routine after school. And it's making me think how grateful I am that none of this is required. And I'm thinking of all the schools where homework still is a huge part of the day. 
and thinking about like, I am pulling teeth out to get my daughter to do one or two, because I've just decided, you know what, we're just going to do like one or two problems from your math page. And I can kind of like gauge where you're at then. And if we need more, then we'll do it. So two is hard enough. And then I'm thinking if we had to do two sides of this whole page so that she didn't lose her recess the next day or whatever it is, it's just like, why? Why are we doing this? Yeah, I think you're right. That's a good way we could simplify is just even just the homework and everything. Yeah, well, and especially if, you know, everybody's family situation is different at home. And if, and I'm lucky enough that I can kind of adjust my schedule. So when the kids come home, I'm kind of, I have my mom hat on again. But if, you know, you're not getting home until 6, 6.30 and you still need to eat dinner and shower and, you know, like do all those things, it's really hard to pack homework in that. And then I think that just gives such a negative connotation to school when so many kids don't need any more negative connotations with school. And I think especially I try really hard to have like natural consequences and have the, you know, the punishment fit the crime, if you will. And, you know, that it just doesn't work. And then we're taking playtime away from an already super structured day and we want the kids to do better. And I know so many of these decisions are at the administration level, so I'm not going to harp on individual teachers, but I really think that's a fight worth fighting. I think get some parents on your side. I'm sure you would find dozens who would happily join you in that fight, but that just seems like a really easy thing to free up from a teacher's plate because that takes a lot of management to check the homework every morning to stamp it or do whatever you're going to do and then decide okay this kid needs this slip to take to the yard duty because they're losing their recess or like it's just the losing recess is not my favorite (laughs) yeah and it's just it's a lot of management like hands-on management for the teacher so don't waste your time doing that Yeah, that's a great suggestion. And I remember actually even earlier in the episode, you mentioned you don't have to like laminate everything or like do all right. the like perfect things like that either. There's like a quite a few different ways that you could just simplify, like look at your day and be like, what is not necessary, you know? Right. Well, and then another thing I thought of too is there's been a really big focus on my kids' school on socio-emotional learning and kind of just like connecting. And I was thinking back to my days in the classroom And all of that always seemed like extra fluff to me. And there was always such, so I taught at a title one school and there was such a focus on instructional minutes and we have to keep with the pacing guide of the curriculum. And we have to hit these things because the state tests are coming and we just don't have time. And so a lot of those extra like ways to connect with your students just kind of got pushed to the wayside because I thought we didn't have time. And now I'm seeing especially with my oldest is in second now, and she's really never had a regular school year. And so I think you cannot skip any of that. I know kids are behind. I know there's learning loss and all these other buzzwords, but I think we cannot lose the connection with these kids. And that's more important than anything they're going to learn in math that day. 100%. And actually, by the time this airs, we're going to have an episode all about that where we hear from teachers, like even some in their own voices of what they're seeing with those social emotional gaps. And a lot of teachers are saying that the social emotional gaps are actually wider than the learning gaps. Like they're seeing like second graders who are acting like kindergartners or whatever. And I really think that making time for that social emotional learning is so important. And we even have a resource that makes it super easy daily activities done for you. So I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes too. With all the never-ending pressures teachers are facing these days, you need resources. 
differentiated resources to meet all the ever-widening gaps we're seeing in education and to save you tons of time. But you also need more. Resources alone won't help the mental load that you face as a teacher. You need more hands-on support with that. And that is what you will get inside Wife Teacher Mommy Club. Our combination of unlimited differentiated resources and our teacher life coaching program is our secret sauce that you will not find anywhere else. Check out what Nicole has to say. I love everything about Wife Teacher Mommy. I enjoy listening to the podcast. I enjoy being part of the club and I especially like the coaching calls. Those those get really raw and real and to the heart of teaching as well as just how it affects our whole life. Also like the, the Facebook group and I really love the products. They make it easy to use in class. For podcast listeners only, save 10% on your first payment. It is my special thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Go to wifeteachermommyclub.com to claim your discount with code PODCAST10 and see the transformation it'll make in your teacher life. You'll love the hours of time saved and the mindset shifts that will help you live your best teacher life. So kind of on the note of teacher burnout and, you know, even homeschool mom burnout, what can they do to not burn themselves out so they have the capacity left to also put on their mom hat after a day of teaching? Yeah, absolutely. I think you have to say no. You have to. And I know, especially in a profession dominated by women, I think it's very hard for us to say no. I think we want to please everybody. We want to help everybody. We want to fix everything. And it simply can't be done. There are too many things being asked of teachers, even outside of academics. Like it's just teachers are basically moms all day long, whether you have kids at home or not. And you have to draw boundaries. And I think that was one thing I struggled with when I was in the classroom. I was 23, newly married. My husband was working long hours. I had nothing but time to just pour into my classroom. And I didn't know, we weren't talking about burnout in 2011. We That wasn't on our radar. I didn't know what I was doing. And I thought, especially working in the Title I school, there was literally always something to be done. There was always more I could do. And I just like on a human level, I wanted to help these children. I would come home and just ball because I couldn't do enough. And I think the sooner you can separate and accept that you can't do, you'll never do enough ever. Even in the most upper middle class of schools, there will never be enough. There will always be parents who want more. And, you know, turn on those out of offices every day at three o'clock. I'm spending time with my family at home and I hope you guys are doing the same. I will be happy to answer your question when I get to my emails again tomorrow at 8 a.m. or whatever it is. And I think you may get some pushback from some parents, but I think you may also have a lot of parents celebrating that. And I you stop giving out your cell phone numbers. <laughs> you oh my can't goodness, be- yes. We talked a lot about this on your podcast. Yeah. We talked about the phone number and the office hours and email. Yeah, you cannot, and especially in this day and age of, we walk around with computers in our hands all the time. You are available. People think you're available 24 seven and you cannot be, especially if you are coming home to children of your own who are requiring just as much, if not more from you. Set those boundaries, say no, and just know that 
people are going to be mad about it. And that's, that's a them problem. That's not a you problem. Okay. And I actually kind of, so you mentioned, um, you know, when you're a teacher, you're kind of playing mom all day and then you come home and be mom. And that's actually something that has come up even in our coaching calls with wife, teacher, mommy. Like I am around kids all the time. I don't get time for myself. And some of these teachers, they truly believe that they don't have time for the self-care to take care of themselves because they're like, well, I need to make sure I have time for my kids because like, you know, I don't want to do more for other people's kids than my kids or whatever. So they feel like it's selfish to take time for themselves. So what are your thoughts about this struggle? And what would you have to say to teachers who are feeling it? I have thought about this so much. I It's always kind of in the back of my mind. Do I want to go back to the classroom? Is this where I see myself? Because I always keep my credentials and fingerprints up to date because it's just easier to do that than to let them lapse. I'm constantly thinking about this when I, you know, I'll pick my kids up from school or, and occasionally I will still, will still sub at my kid's school. And, you know, as soon as the bell rings, there are my kids right through the door. And so (laughs) it's like, oh, okay, there's, there's literally no time. So I, I get that. I think if your budget allows, I would say hire after school care so that you do get some time. I know contract hours can be different and things like that, but if you can make it work, I say do that. You know, take and if you have that care, take the long way home. Stop at Target and run through that, you know, like whatever it is that you want to do, go for a run after school or to the gym or whatever or just like sit in your classroom in silence if that's what you need. And I know not everyone's budgets, especially teacher budgets, don't always allow for that kind of thing. Or find the time on the weekends, maybe trade time with your spouse or something like that. But it truly is so important. And I am a huge hypocrite because, of course, I don't ever do that enough for myself. And I can, <laughs> it's so much easier to tell people all day long that, of course, you need to do that. And it's, I know it's so much harder because, again, there is always something to do. But, you know, that dumb old saying, I hate to even repeat it, but you can't pour from an empty cup. And it's so true. And it's a cliche because it's true. (laughs) Yes, I agree. But it has to be done. One hack I can share, kind of like a mom hack for childcare, like to easily fit it in your budget, is getting a gym membership with childcare. You can usually get like two hours a day. And I'm not a two-hour workout person. (laughs) So like I can go do like a 30-minute or an hour workout if I do a class and then still have another hour on there that I can just be at the facility and do whatever I want with it. So Yeah, so I totally think that's a great hack. And I feel it a lot because I know that my first thought would be, I just picked up these kids and now I'm going to go throw them in the gym daycare. And, And I totally get that. But I think the kids don't really care as much as you care. <laughs> you have to let that go. Well, it doesn't even have to be a daily thing, you know? It totally. Like you do it on like Tuesday and Saturday or something, but that works in a little bit of time for you. And even like exercise can be self-care, you know? So Absolutely. I feel like it's a double whammy right there. <laughs> yeah. Or even if you're like running to a kid's practice or lesson or whatever right after school, you know, instead of, and I'm again, totally guilty of this myself, but instead of sitting in your chair on the sidelines gossiping, you like do some laps around the field or whatever it is. Like, I really think getting your body moving helps so much. And that is something I tell myself every day as I go on my grumpy walks and, I don't <laughs> do. and the hardest part is getting moving. And so I think that's a, another one that could work too, is waking up early. I hate to even suggest that maybe to teachers because I know your day is already so long, but 
you have to find the time where it works for your family. And for me, right, I'm not a morning person, but right now in this season of life, waking up before everybody else and at least like getting breakfast down before I see a child just makes the day smoother. So you have to, I think, find the biggest pain point. Like if you're grumpiest in the morning, then that's where you need to find the time. Or if you're grumpiest after school, I think that's where you find the time however you can. Work on the pain points. That's a good meter. Like when are you grumpy? How can you make that time better? I like that. Because that's kind of how my early mornings alone started. Because I get very, I have a lot of sleep needs, which are never met. And I'm a very hangry person. And so mornings were obviously very difficult. And I just kind of had this epiphany one morning of like, I feel like I'm screaming every morning. And I, after I drop the kids off, I just like, I'm like frantic. And then I, it's like, okay, this cannot be, we cannot keep doing this. And that's kind of where it's like, okay, I will sacrifice and wake up early because I know that's better in the long run. And now I wake up early naturally. So you can train yourself to be a morning person. It's not fun, but it can be done. Absolutely. I had a phase where I did the early mornings and right now I'm not in that phase. I feel like, you know, sometimes that might be a thing and sometimes it might not, you know, and you can just kind of figure out where it works for your current season. And I think that's also a really hard thing for teachers too, is kind of rearranging the schedule. I know teachers love a routine and a schedule just as much as the students do. And it can be really, especially when you're pivoting and doing so many different things, you know, you're differentiating for a student and, oh, today's picture day. And so the schedule's weird. And so you have to like move math to after lunch or whatever. Like teachers are pivoting all the time. So I completely understand why they hold on to any bit of structure they can, but it's it's not always going to be like this. And that's another platitude I hate that it's just a season of life and it things won't always be this way. And it But it's true. And you kind of, you have to find the time where you were And whatever works now may not work even next semester or next school year. And so you kind of just have to, you always have to be pivoting. I know. I feel like pivoting. I feel like that word ever since COVID, it's just like, has an extra ring to it, you know, but it's so true. It's like, you know, we just need to be willing and ready to pivot when we need to. So yeah. Yes. Okay. So on your show, I love how you always have your guests share an okayest mom moment. And I love that when I came on your show, I explained how like when the pandemic hit, we did ceiling TV with our children, which was literally we had a projector connected to the Apple TV and it projected onto their ceilings and they got to watch TV because I was working so much like trying to pivot to help the teachers like, you know, because when teachers had to pivot, we as resource creators had to pivot to all of a sudden, oh, we have nothing digital. Let's digitize everything. So we were working like crazy. So (laughs) kids, watch a show. (laughs) That was my okay small moment. Do you have one to share with our listeners? I do. So this is a good one for the teachers. So my son and daughter both had the same kindergarten teacher. They're back to back in school. So we've had the same teacher for two years. And she is amazing. I have lovingly referred to her as a witch before because she just like... Has she can cast a spell on these children and get them to do whatever she wants. And I am very jealous of her abilities. So we went to back to school night or open house or whatever for my son when he was in kindergarten. My daughter was in first grade. And the teacher who we knew very well at this point said, I have to tell you the funniest story. And we're expecting it to be about my son because that's who was currently in her class. And she goes, Isla's just been coming in here to use the bathroom. And because it was a typical kindergarten classroom with the adjoining bathroom. And uh-huh. I go, what? <laughs> she goes, 
Yeah, she just waltzes in and says, hey, Mrs. So-and-so, uh, I just have to go to the bathroom. Don't mind me. And she goes in and she uses the bathroom and then she just says, okay, bye. And then she walks out. And I go, what? Because <laughs> she <laughs> that's not her bathroom to use. And so what was happening was that, you know, as el- any elementary school teacher can tell you, the bathrooms get destroyed on a daily basis. You know, oh, there's yeah. toilet paper everywhere, stalls get locked and kids crawl under and panic and nobody can get back in and all those things. So my daughter was going to the bathroom, deciding that the conditions weren't up to snuff for her. And I mean, she did solve her own problem, but she was just barging into the other (laughs) classroom to use the bathroom. So, I mean, thank God for this teacher who is just a godsend. I mean, she is truly like an improv artist, which I feel like all the best teachers are. She was just like, okay, Isla's in here going to the bathroom. Oh, okay. We are moving on. (laughs) So funny. Oh man, that's a good one. Do you have an okayest teacher moment from your days in the classroom? I do. I've been racking my brain thinking about this. I feel like this is going to be a darker one maybe. And I don't mean to bring the mood down, but I feel like it's a really good, it kind of just drives home the point that you can't do everything. You can't be everything. I had a student who had been absent for a couple of days and I went into the office thinking, you know, like, do they want homework? Like what's going on? And so I was talking with the secretary and she goes, oh, nobody told you. No, nobody told what what do you mean? And he had been placed into foster care and I didn't know anything. And so my immediate reaction was, you're the worst teacher ever, because how did you not know that anything was happening that he would need to be placed into foster care? And I didn't know, I never saw anything, I never suspected anything. And I never saw him again. And it just... Oh my goodness. That's so hard. It was really heartbreaking. And over the years, I've kind of realized that, you know, there are many different reasons to be in foster care. And it isn't always obvious, of course. And there probably wasn't anything I could have done differently. And just to be, you know, maybe I was the bright spot in the day where everything kind of felt normal. And if that's all I could do, then then I did that because that was the only option for me. And as time has gone by, I've thought, had more time to think about it. I just realized that we expect so much from teachers and we literally cannot do it all. You can love these kids for six hours a day as much as you want but that's all you get. You have no control over anything at home, anything that their parents do or don't do or anything. And it's just, you know what, you can sit there and blame me, you know, society, the school board, the parents, whatever, you can blame me for all the problems and all the things I'm not doing. But you know, what does Brene Brown say? If you're not in the ring getting your ass kicked, then stay home. <laughs> I love Brene. She's <laughs> she's incredible. She's the best. But yeah, I appreciate you sharing that story because like I feel like so many teachers have had, I mean, probably not all the exact story, obviously, but like situations where they're like, oh, how did I not see this? How did I not know? Or how did I not do this or that, you know, for this student? And I think it really just is what you said. Like we can't do and be everything for everyone at all times. So we're all doing our best and we just have to be good with that, you know? Yeah. And I think we've been trained to think that that's you dropping the ball. When in reality, I don't think it's, it's truthfully the systems in our society that have dropped the ball where it would be on me to think that I had to notice something like that. When in reality, if we're supporting families better, 
then that's how we support teachers better. Yes, I agree. Like when we support each other, it's kind of like we talked about when I came onto your podcast, which again, everybody should go listen to the OKS Moms podcast if you are a mom. It's a great one. But we talked about how the parents and teachers, you know, we're kind of we're on the same team and we just want what's best for students. And I know some parents are harder and more difficult than others to like communicate with or maybe they do things that feel very frustrating and you're like, why are they doing this or whatever? But at the end of the day, for the most part, parents and teachers do want the same. I mean, other than, you know, some situations like maybe <laughs> what you mentioned, but, right. <laughs> but you know, we all are trying to do our best. I, I do believe that even those who their best is pretty terrible. Like there's probably some sort of reason behind it, you know? Exactly. And I think that's where you need to keep your focus that these parents love their children. You love their children because you're their teacher. And sometimes that love looks like an overbearing parent, because that's just how they don't know any other way to express that, you know, and as humans are not taught how to cope and express our emotions properly. And I think we expect that to change just because they're adults. And it does not again, we're all just toddlers in big bodies. <laughs> yes, I think it's hard to take the brunt of that for sure. And teachers never should have to. But I think especially these last couple of years, I think that love and fear has been expressed as anger. And it's not fair, but also, you know, if that's the only way you know, that's the only way you know. Exactly. I feel like this was so relatable. And yeah, that I mean, like you said, it was kind of like a sad thing, but I feel like so much, it's just relatable. And, you know, something we can all take to heart is like that, you know, we're all doing our best. What final word of advice do you have for our listeners today? You're doing great. It may not feel like it, but I promise you are. You are not going to be the perfect teacher. You're not going to be the perfect mom. And that's what therapists are for. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> for you, for the kids, it's fine. <laughs> yes, for sure. Okay, so where can our listeners find and connect with you? So we have new episodes every Tuesday, and you can find us wherever you get your podcasts, or you can find us online. Our website is www.okstmoms.com. And we are most active on Instagram at OKest Moms Podcast. Awesome. So everybody be sure to go over and follow Heather. And then Brittany's over there too. She's awesome. And thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been a great time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And if you're ready to take the next step with me, then you are going to love Wife Teacher Mommy Club. Our top selling resources for pre-K through sixth grades have been used and loved by tens of thousands of teachers. And the club gives you one-click access to all of them to meet the needs of every child you teach while saving tons of time. Plus, you'll have our certified life coach in your back pocket with several monthly workshops and an Ask a Coach portal you can use 24-7. The combo of resources and coaching is our secret sauce to your best teacher life. Think of my team and I as your personal team doing the lesson planning for you and on the sidelines coaching you and cheering you on as you focus on what you do best, impacting the children you teach. Plus, if you're loving this podcast, you'll also have access to our private podcast just for members, where I continue the conversation with all of our guests with members-only bonus episodes. And don't forget the club VIP access to Educate and Rejuvenate, our summer conference, and our private Facebook community full of like-minded educators supporting each other. You do so much for everyone else, so it's time to invest in yourself. Your teacher friends' jaws will drop when they see just how quickly you finish your planning. Not to mention the glow of the happier, more fulfilled you. Head on over to wifeteachermommyclub.com to learn more.